Hello and welcome to another edition of the usually serviceable, hopelessly miscast podcast with your friends from GCT. And if you're not our friend, you should be our friend because we're awesome. Uh, Brian is really awesome. He's on. Yeah, man. Wait, that, uh, that new yeah. theme music, man. It's rocking. <laughs> yeah, welcome to season three. Yeah. I didn't man. think we'd make it to season one and a half. So, yeah. well, we just wouldn't shut up. So here we are. Yeah. Much too pristine as chagrin. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm still, we're still doing this, uh, recording this. Uh, I am in the wilds of Kansas City for a few more days, uh, but I am officially moving back. Um, and it'll be two weeks from tomorrow will be my last day in my apartment. So I'll be back and forth to Memphis a little between now and then. But, you know, Brian can put the knife away that he was going to kill me with. Yeah, if I didn't come back. So, in true Monty Python style, it's like, yay, yay. Uh, <laughs> right? get on with it. That's what everybody's saying. So, uh, in in the spirit of that, we're doing our opener for season three of the pod. Certainly not season three of the theater. Um, we we wanted to kind of do a, a season review for you. So, Brian, I'll let you kind of run with this one. Yeah, that so, you are the executive dysfunction of the theater. That's true. So a little behind the, the scenes thing, and I think um, you know, Paul is uh, chairs our programming committee, so it's it's good to have him in this conversation as well. But um, look at the season, which feels like it's some of the shows I think we've announced like two and a half years ago. It feels like and now it's <laughs> finally over. Yeah. Um, the how we how we a matter of fact i'm just gonna play a game with you paul how about this sounds good uh, with each show we're gonna go through and i'm gonna ask you in relation to how when we pick the show how we thought the show actually did at the bo- box office success not necessarily uh artistic success because i think the two are very different but we can we can talk about artistic success as well uh how it measured up with how we thought when we picked the play does that make sense so i i have to guess how well i think it did at the box office just your opinion or if you think it succeeded our thoughts or if it did not succeed it it uh, came below what we thought it would do at the box office when we chose all these plays okay and musicals comparing Uh, what we thought we might get out of it yeah then to now okay Gotcha. Yeah, and I can kind of, if you have questions about attendance numbers and stuff, I can kind of fill you in on that because I probably have more insight on how each show did attendance-wise. Yeah. Well, and you know I'm a bonehead, so it's you'll probably yeah. have to explain well, you know, and you at just, least you eight times to, to me. Almost every single performance <clears throat> of every show. I think I only missed maybe three performances this season of the, see, we do nine eight shows nine times then we had a couple extras so i think uh out of this probably let's just call it 80 performances i think i missed three of them so i was in the building for 77 wow quite a few that's quite a few uh so let's start at the beginning it's because a very good place to start uh sound of music um sherwood (laughs) the adventures of robin hood how do you think we it fared based off of how we thought it would when we picked the play itself well this this one 
feels like a little bit of a starting softball in that uh, because you know it it was a a student production so we always expect student productions to do very well um, because people want to see their their chillins and grandparents want to see their chillins and I totally get it I was one of those parents and you I have a feeling you're going to be one of those parents here pretty soon um, <clears throat> even if you don't want to be um, so get ready. Um, he's, he's got a very talented and dramatic little girl in his house. So mm. she, I have a feeling she's going to be getting on some cast lists. Um, so anyway, uh, my thoughts on how I, I felt like we would do very well with it, especially since it's, uh, if I remember correctly, and again, I'm, I'm a bonehead that this is a Ken Ludwig show. It is Ken Ludwig. Yes. Which we have discussed this and debated this uh our some our patrons in general seem to love ken ludwig i don't know if he's personally bought some summer homes for people uh or what but i know he hadn't bought me one but i expected the show to do at least 90 to 95 percent of the of the full take Mm -hmm. my guess is it did 100 about 100 close just because of Uh, the random seed here and there you're actually overestimating. It did not do that well. Really? Wow. Um, it, like so many of our shows, had a very soft opening weekend. You also have to remember that this was straight yeah. out of COVID. We That's, were still yeah. restricting seating, putting seats between parties. Um, True. And things like that. Well, I think we were also requiring masking until they lifted the mask mandate between the first week and second week, I believe uh is how that happened um no no it was it was not in place for any of it it came back for clue that's what happened um so i but it it, i say that the last understanding our limitations with how many we could see because we were trying to keep space between parties closing weekend was a sellout the entire weekend uh, but the first weekend was probably about 70% full in general. So the full run, we're talking somewhere in the 80s, maybe percentage wise? Say 85 to 90%. Okay. So, I, yeah, I mean, I, I never will, when we pick a show before, way before it's going to go on, I mean, you and I have made it a policy to never say we're going to expect 100% or right at it. Um, so 90 is kind of the, to me is like, okay, if we hit 90 with anything, we're doing pretty darn good. Yeah. So I would have expected 90 to hundred. So not horribly far off, but yes, I did go over. So I win no showcases on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think artistically it was a good show. Um, it's was a, a much different show than we would typically uh, have our students produce because there was so much live combat on stage for that right. one. Um, but I think we were able to challenge the kids in a, a different way. And I think it, they all grew as artists um, for that experience and that we didn't throw them in another, you know, junior type production. Um, not that there's anything wrong with junior productions, but so many of our student productions tend to be junior because a the content is geared toward them, and you know, 
it's it's kind of set up to allow them success. But I think we challenged them with that show, and they were able to um, grow with it. And I will say personally, watching the show, um, it's one of my more favorite um, watching uh, as a as a consumer of theater. It was one of my more favorite uh, student productions that I was able to watch. It, that's not always my favorite cup of tea to 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 watch the student productions um because you do you know with adult productions you can be a little bit you can critique a little bit more but it's not about that with students it's all about letting them grow and you expect that there is a need to grow and that's why we do what we do with the students so uh however all that being said i thought they performed it very well and it was quite entertaining regardless of the age of the performers so and i I will say full disclosure i did not get to see that show because of my work schedule given that kansas city was really big in the uh the windshield at that time for me so for the audience listening all i'm gonna say 12 of you i'm gonna boost you today um i did not get to see that show much to my chagrin uh, because of uh, various factors, but the biggest one by far being work. So I, I heard good things about it from not just parents, but uh, you know that it was they enjoyed. And I did hear comments to that point that it was it didn't look like the just the standard wrote st- student production, or as as everyone else will call it. Well, a lot of people will call it the kids show. They didn't see it as the standard wrote kids show. They were like, okay, well, there was actually some meat on the bone, so to speak. So I think that that was good, especially at the time it was on, given that we were, you know, as a a general area of the country, kind of in a COVID lull at that time, Uh, Mm -hmm. not a huge one. I don't think there's been a huge COVID lull uh, until this year, but yeah, it was between Delta and Omicron. Yeah, type waves and so i think for what we could do they were very pleased with it as an audience yeah yeah uh next show is uh motherhood the musical yes which we're we're obligated for various reasons to not say anything bad about this show of course yes <laughs> i mean you're in an environment where if you say a word bad about it it's probably going to be heard um yes yes no i i that show definitely that's that's the the first one that i will say on on in my head that i remember as okay we're gonna do it we're not gonna do it we are gonna do it we're not gonna do it hey we're finally gonna do it mm-hmm. thank god <laughs> thank you covid we appreciate you pushing the curtain back for us yeah but uh i will say that my expectation with that show it's it's not a show that a lot of people i think well i say a lot that a, a sizable chunk of normal theater patrons had heard of. And if they had heard of it, it's a newer show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did have a lovely conversation, being serious, with the author of the show, mm-hmm. who was very gracious in giving with her time. Yeah. Uh, we, I thought the show itself was very, very good. Uh, loved the music, loved the snarkiness of it. Um, the fact that it gave you know, us a chance to kind of you know, give a little bit different take on that, on many topics in it, uh, get a little on the edge, but not, you know, way over it. Uh, so my expectation in with us doing that show was we were probably going to do about 60%. Mm-hmm. That's, 
That's probably a little low. We had season restrictions that show as well. I, I think when you take those into account, we probably ended up between about 75, 80. Because, but again, by the as is a trend for most of the shows this year, uh, by closing weekend, you couldn't get a ticket to it. So, right. Um, uh, I will say what surprised me with the show is I guess when we picked it, I thought, I guess naively, that wives would bring their husbands with them and our husbands would take the opportunity to use it as a, a, a excellent prepaid pre-thought out date night for their wives that they did not they absolutely did not yeah what you ended up having was large groups of girls night outs which was great it was wonderful uh but i was just very surprised that there was so little male attendance i just i really thought that fathers would bring the moms right uh, to, to celebrate them but that was not the case so lesson learned for the next time artistically i think the show is great of course i'm contractually obligated by my marriage certificate to uh state that but no it was a show i really enjoyed watching it was a show that uh i, I personally had to my wife ended up having some medical issues right before tech so i kind of had to step in and fill her shoes for uh, tech week so i got a little bit closer to that show than i normally would with a show uh, at the theater so uh, I, I am certainly biased to it and it could still make me tear up a little bit every night in that last uh, when the kids are grown song so I, I thought it succeeded in every artistic aspect that we were really hoping for and it got there eventually with the uh, with ticket sales too but I mean again that seems to be a trend and I think it's a trend around town this year is that everyone is just not quite where they were pre-pandemic with ticket sales and that could be a new norm. Uh, I mean, I would, I'd love to think that's not the case. I'd love to think that people, I mean, it, I mean, you, you and I know the cycle. And I think a lot of people who do listen to this podcast are theater people, whether they're regular audience members or they actually participate in it in various capacities. And they, they kind of know the cadence of, especially a show that's not very well known or it's something that might have a little riskier content or it's during COVID or something like that. Um, Opening nights are always a big night. Almost always, I won't say always, but typically they're a big night. And then usually there's kind of a a valley in there, late first weekend, second weekend. And then by the third weekend, you can tell, is word getting around or is it not? Yeah. Um, So I think this is one where definitely word got around. I, you know, when we originally, originally picked this show, I kind of viewed it as we, because one of the things Brian and I have talked about since we sort of teamed up to, you know, drive, to help drive programming for GCT is every year we want to take at least one swing. And there's been, I mean, we, we don't generally, we've never had a complete disagreement about what the swing is or what it should be. In my mind, I didn't view this as the swing for our season, but I viewed it as no. kind of a mini swing uh, when we picked it for when we originally picked it. So yeah. when it got moved, I didn't know what to I didn't know what to expect, honestly, about what audiences would think. Um, yeah. And I was very I was very pleased with the response. And I I'm glad to hear that my I, you know, I you and I don't talk about the financials of every show in depth. As a board member, I hear about them, but it's, you know, board meetings are board meetings. Um, sure. So, you know, sorry, Teresa, but that's the way it is. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, not sorry, but you know, I'm pleased. I was, I'm pleased to see the, I was pleased at the time to see the reaction. I did agree that it was a great show. Uh, and I'm very pleased to hear that I undershot the mark on that one. Let's, uh, let's keep moving on. Uh, clue. That one. I mean, I'll, I'll say the big caveat was we sort of kind of, if I remember right, this was the first show of the season where we sort of started to feel like, like a lot of people, uh Oh, COVID may be making a, a roar back. Um, and we were oh, very, well, I, I can tell you exactly what happened that show because there was an incident with it closing weekend. So at the beginning of the show, there was a mask mandate. And at the time they said the mask mandate will last until November 1st and the show closed on like October 31st and the Thursday before the closing weekend cases got to the point where they lifted the mask mandate and uh, again we we're we've we've always had the stance that we will follow what the local regulations are and let everything else be a personal choice after that Um, because I mean I don't want to put myself or my staff in the situation where we're trying to you know, play mask police, uh, uh, you know, in any occasion. So first two weeks were under mask mandate. The last one we were not. So, right. So this is another one of those downtrends before the uptrend of Omicron. Right. Uh, I mean, I mean, my expectation when we first picked this show as well was this was going to be a 90% or higher. Um, The name recognition the fact that, you know, it's essentially, I mean, we know this, I don't know if everybody who's never seen it knows this, it's essentially the movie um, mm-hmm. on the stage. Um, so it, it's, that's not to diminish it in any way. I think it's great when we picked it, it was like a no brainer. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Uh, can we get it? That was the, that was the only question. Um, yeah, we, so, we would have done the show pre-pandemic had the rights been available, but yes. they were not. Yeah, because we actually we had it on the list, and yeah, that's right. We we were told no, you can't have it yet. So then when we got it, it was great. And then you know, the the waves type no. thing. But I went into it with high expectations um, as far as that went. Uh, full disclosure on this one: I did not see this show on our stage either, and that was partly due to Kansas City. It was also partly due to I'll just say some very troubling health issues that I was having. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I was not, not in a condition to want to sit through anything at that point. Yeah. It was a very dark time, but I won't go down that path. Anyway, it, I, I know, I mean, I heard a lot of good things about it. I think that, you know, yeah, my expectations were high going in. I'll leave it at that. Uh, Clue actually, the entire run sold out the Tuesday after the first weekend. So that was a completely sold out run for us with that. Nice. Uh, caveat being there were still some, uh, we were still doing the seats, uh, some spacing things, the seat between parties at that show. That was the last show of the season. We had that. Um, but uh, yeah, from artistically, I think our actors and directors produce as beautiful a production on our stage as they possibly can be i think the issue with that that show as a play is the script is 
basically a movie and they just leave it to you to try to figure out how to do a movie where they were running between you know what eight eight different rooms on oh yeah uh and so at times um because they didn't the, the script writers did not take the opportunity to you know really think it out how can we make this work on stage and how can we change things to make it work on stage um and just you know said here here's uh here's a movie on in a uh, play script um i i think you could take well i it was a thoroughly enjoy i don't mean to say it wasn't enjoyable i all the actors were lovely and it was great uh jeff did a wonderful job directing it you could get the best actors in the world and produce that play and it's not going to win any awards because it's just the script isn't strong enough to right um but you know that's not what every show is for and there's a reason that show um had a sold out run honestly uh because people want to see it and you know how many millions of people went and see jurassic park last <laughs> weekend and it, it was terrible despite um, the know. savage reviews yeah <laughs> So, oh, you I mean, saw it. So you said it was terrible. Yeah. So um, I will say Jude said it's the best movie he's ever seen. So it also <laughs> depends on your audience. So, <laughs> and what a shock, <laughs> you know, uh, people want shows to come and sit through 80 minutes of running through doors and watching a murder plot unfold. And that's great. And I'm glad they had a wonderful time. And you know what? It's one that I will be looking at revisiting in a year or two uh, again yes. because it did do so well and um you know uh it, not everything has to be you know waiting for godot so um, <laughs> which it is not that's no, for sure uh, just a shout out to you miss gacka it's i know you're not listening but still that's her favorite show that she wants to do <laughs> yes. but uh yeah not everything uh is has to be that and people don't want to see it so uh you know right the fact that people wanted to see clue makes me want to put it back out there again in the future so i hear our other regular podcast contributor chip yeah i don't uh, know what he's he's been getting on something there but that's okay so, well you know he's there's lots of things he gets unhappy about but yeah uh speaking of crowd pleasers um our biggest crowd pleaser of the year I mean, is Elf <laughs> Jr. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, did we do we even need to really guess at that one? I mean, I mean, it, let's I'll, see. I'll tell uh, you it. Holiday time frame, Elf, Junior version, student production. Robin Sharp was helping us pimp it. I mean, it. Christina directed it, it. Yes. Did we think it was going to do poorly? Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, Honestly, I. We could have made a grandstand. We could have built, told people we we have a second floor, and we could have sold that out. I think it. I knew it would succeed. I didn't know to what extent it would succeed. Um, that show sold out before we ever performed it one time, uh, which is the only time I have ever seen that happen. Um, it was crazy. It was just crazy, crazy how well it did. Um, man, that was great. And I, I mean, yeah. it was trending that way so early that we didn't even, we didn't do media purchases. We didn't send postcards. We didn't have to do any of that. Um, 
I mean, I think we hung a few posters and put a banner up and call it a day. Uh, I didn't purchase a, a Facebook ad like I normally do because it was already sold out by the time the ad was going to run. So, uh, yeah, I was yeah. going to say it must have been all the posters, but you shot that one down. So, <laughs> snipe, snipe. So, uh, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> no, we we both had high expectations going into that show, and I, it it's. It, it's a show that you know it the they did a lovely job with it christina as always delivered with it and i think it was great um i i don't this is not to minimize it in any way shape or form at all i think you know it could have not been great and we still would have sold very well um but that's not again not to minimize it or to minimize the audience in any way I feel like it was a high quality product, which is something we strive for. And it's because it was so good. I think it just feeds into what has become what I feel like is a growing mentality amongst people who regularly will come to our theater, which is, and call this a side diatribe all you want, who will come see whatever we put on the stage because they're used to us putting on a quality product. And I think that was a pure example of it no matter who the actors were, no matter what, you know, what the content was, they could trust they were going to get to see a quality product. And they did. Yep. Uh, let's see. What was, what came next? Um, now we're moving into, uh, Oh, now we moved with, uh, when we dealt with Omicron, we had to push back. And so our next show up was complete history of America abridged. Yes. Uh, this one, which was, you know, a late replacement for Biloxi Blues because yes. when we were trying to cast it in October, uh, the prospect of trying to cast a show with what, like eight guys, yeah. most of who are under like, you know, 25 just seemed silly for us to attempt. Um, so we made a, a last minute change to Complete History of America, which has three actors of either gender. Um, which seemed to be the smart thing. So we were kind of adjusting on the fly before we had to push back on the fly for Omicron. And it's, it's a show that we, we've had in sort of the holster for a while. Um, something that we had bounced about doing, bounced around about doing for at least the last, you know, since COVID started um, is that we wanted to do it. We, we love the authors, you know, work on, you know, the complete works of Shakespeare abridged and that play has been put on at different theaters, ours included uh, over the years. So doing this one felt like, you know, we read the script a long time ago, uh, thought it was very funny, just like, you know, their other works and said, well, at some point let's do this. And throwing that in as a replacement, it was, yeah, just very much like a, okay, this is feels as organic as it can feel. Uh, knowing that we had to, you know, for uh, most of you will will never know about anything like this, but we had to get a lot of the board involved and get a lot of people, Marcus, Christina, and Brian especially to, you know, flex in the wind, so to speak, and be very adaptable to we're going to sort of flow with this Omicron thing because that was the time frame right when they were saying it's going to peak and then it will sort of have a sharp down downhill 
and we said let's try to hit the sharp downhill and luckily we did Um, we timing wise we really nailed it we would have opened the last weekend of january which was the peak cases here in shelby county and we ended up opening you know about a month later which was you know it had basically come down the mountain at that point so so with yeah i mean with that being when we sort of plugged it in and everything my expectation was all over the board but i would say that i felt like we were going to be doing okay if we got to 50 or 60 percent i was hoping for as high as 70 but my guess was 55 to 60 percent audience on that show yeah you're probably right right around the 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 mark there um Closing weekend, again, as is a trend, was much stronger than the others. Um, we also had weird scheduling things because we condensed into two. So we had a Thursday shows, a Sunday uh, Twilight show to get our nine shows in. Um, but, you know, all that being said, still think that show is one of the funniest, if not the funniest, it's ever been <laughs> on that stage. It was so well done, thanks to Liz and her team. Uh, with the and we John, got very John lucky with the actors yeah, yeah they're yeah. they're all so wonderful and they really really killed it and by that by the end weekend i mean it was just such a fun experience for our patrons and um you know i i couldn't be happier with that show will it get any i mean yeah i hate to talk about austrian or nods will they ever get will it get any austrian or nods uh, it's so hard for comedies to get Austrian or noms as it is, but those guys deserve something to be recognized. Uh, I can't imagine there were um, many more entertaining performances than um, what they were able to put out there. And one of the things with this, the uh, complete works things is I think a lot of times people go, is that really a theater show or a comedy act? And that's a valid point because, you know, plot is not so much a plot as it is you know telling you know for this time telling the history of america so right it's like a comedic lecture almost doing a bit yeah with gags um so uh, you know is it given the same um credence as um i don't know what's a what's a serious straight show what's a serious straight show you could think of Um, death of a salesman death of a salesman no no it's not but (laughs) uh Uh, Is it supposedly in the same category when it comes to judging the shows? Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, again, there's a reason you, every every theater likes awards and stuff because it's just outside people telling you, hey, you're doing a good job. But, you know, we can't chase them at GCT. So uh, you're saying it's not as heavy as Diary of Anne Frank. No, no, it is not. So, um, I, I will tell you this. I love Death of a Salesman, but I'd rather go watch Complete History of America. If I had to pick between the two shows, I'd pick Complete History of America. I definitely every- agree there. And I will say that one one comment to that show too is that I did not I did not solicit comments from people after Elf. Uh, and like I said, I did not get to see Clue. Um, I felt like, uh, you know, America was the first show that I really heard multiple comments from patrons uh both in passing and directly where they loved the use of our screen yeah they loved how we added in animations and things behind the actors that it was that was the first time i'd heard people say i really noticed your screen 
which yeah. I, not every, we, when, when we had the thing put in, we knew not every show is going to lend itself to this, but we really wanted to stand out where we, where it can. And I felt like that show, there was something added with that AV element there. Yeah. <clears throat> I completely so, agree. Yep. Moving along outside Mullinger. Yeah, I, I would now, say you you mentioned you kind of referenced it earlier our swing for the year. Yep, this yep. was our swing for the year. It's exactly where I was going. This when we picked it. I mean, when we first read this show, we loved it. Um, there's another show that I won't mention that we read the same time. We loved it also. That is, I won't say the opposite, but it's where outside Mullingar, if that's a rip roar and comedy, the other show is a dead serious, you know, pan eyed show but they're both equally awesome. Uh, we thought in reading them, Outside Mullingar is a newer show. <clears throat> it's small cast. It's set in Ireland. Uh, but people hear the title and it doesn't really give a whole lot away because people don't know what Mullingar is. Nope. Um, they might think that that's someone's nickname or the name of a car model or something like that. <clears throat> so uh, when we were describing it to people, we were trying to sell it a certain way and i think people that asked about it generally said oh okay i understand what you mean now and i think that we our swing you know to varying degrees we don't expect sellouts from our swing uh this swing i expected especially since it, it is a straight play i expected it to be 40 to 50 percent audiences mm -hmm. it was probably 40 would probably be generous honestly uh, i think it's probably between 30 and 40 percent um then again not because of the quality of the performance i think artistically it might be our strongest show of the season i mean you put those four actors with that director on stage it's going to be good and the script yep. is good i mean it was a tony nominated script and we found the script because we were looking through recent tony nominations <laughs> uh for you know straight shows um that hadn't been done in town and this was this and the other one that paul's not mentioning uh were, were both things that popped up and we we ordered both scripts and opted for this one a cast size and uh again I, I think it fits our audience better i think the other show we're not talking about is a much much bigger swing than uh Ooh, yes than outside mullinger so uh you know, but I mean, the show was beautiful. If I will say, if Tony Isbell doesn't get a nom for it, um, I'll be sad and absolutely sad. agree. Yes, um, but I mean, you know, the whole crew is just stunning. But that that deathbed scene between oh, oh. yes, him you and hit Steven it on the head. was was just one of the best pieces of theater I've seen locally ever. So I mean, yeah, uh, people who people who know me know I. I don't cry in movies and I definitely don't cry in live theater. I cried in that scene. Yeah. Because I did not get to preview nor so that full disclosure again, Brian and I usually try to uh, watch every show the Monday before it opens. He does. I have not been able to a lot in this season because of my work schedule. Um, so I did not get to do that with this show. Um, so I was seeing it the first time when I saw it with an audience. Um, yes. I, I totally cried in that scene and the way that they did it, especially Tony, I mean, yeah. no slight to Steven at all. He was awesome too, 
but the yeah. way they did the scene and the the power in it, it totally captured what I, I mean i was tearing up yes i was also thinking just a lot of pride in that you know we you know we picked that show because of it had so much raw emotion in it and it had so many things that we felt like yes it's set in ireland it's human it's very human and it's got a lot of things that are universal and not all of it's happy yeah. but not all it's not all sad either it, it's just hard hitting and they nailed it so well throughout but especially that scene yeah they killed it yep yep they did they did uh what's next i know bright what we're coming to now yeah we, we both know where this one ended up yeah bright star. because yeah are. somebody was the asshole and somebody was the asshole yeah. so <laughs> you you were just the regular asshole i was just yeah. the asshole in the play or the musical so i'm gonna say that i i expected when we first picked this show because this this is something you've been wanting to do for a long time yeah. um and i'm i'm really glad we finally got to put it on because that one really because of how much we've watched it and talked about it felt like it took a decade to get on our stage mm -hmm. um and i am super proud to have been a part of it i am super grateful as i've told him many times but i'll say for our 12 listeners that i'm grateful again to brian for being extremely adaptable for my schedule to allow me to be in it um and to ask me to to be in it uh but to be surrounded by so much talent and just be a part of what turned out to be i mean even better than I could have imagined as far as, you know, experience was a joy and going into it. I expected that we were going to probably have probably about 70% total audience. I know where it ended up because obviously I was there every night. Mm -hmm. So, but I'll let you throw your thoughts out as the director. So. Um, you know, I guess, not that the sales were bad. I, I did think it, the sales were going to be a bit higher. I would have kind of ranged from 85 to 90 throughout the run. Um, but man, that again, first weekend, uh, it was just soft once again. Yeah. Probably, if you look at the curve of the second, third weekend, I think it would really skew. The first yeah. weekend really skewed us down. It did. It did. So, um, but I mean, overall, I mean, I, again, I'm not the the unbiased opinion here, but not nothing unbiased opinion with any of our shows. But uh, I thought artistically it succeeded, and um, I thought we told a beautiful story, and it was full of beautiful people that I will cherish those memories for the rest of my life. So uh, yes, there and we go. I only say seventy percent because I my only and it's not a downer; it's more of just to say why I would rate, why I rated it at 70 is that I just, a lot of people I don't know had heard of it. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, the title, like a lot of shows, it doesn't really give away what it's about, which how do you do that in a show unless you're doing death of a salesman or something yeah. like that? How do you give away what is really, how do you sum up in two to four words what the show's about? Um, so yeah. A lot hey, of people that asked me what it was about, I would immediately, I would, I started leaning into, well, Steve Martin wrote a yeah. lot of it and that would be, oh, okay. 
that gave it name recognition. Yeah. yeah so. It would have been so much harder to market that show if Steve Martin did not write it. Yes. And so whatever royalty he gets every time a theater does it is completely, <laughs> completely worth it. So, well, and if we had, again, if the show I, had come out in 1991, if you'd said Edie Burkill, people would know that name too. I don't know yeah. as many people remember her unless they're our age. I mean, yeah. I had, I had the tape of Edie Burkill and the new Bohemians listening to, you know, what I am and circle and all those songs back then, but that was a long time ago. Yeah. Well, and hey, look, it's a uh, problem for Hollywood too, which is, I mean, not Hollywood, Broadway right now too, because so much of what the new is put out is, um, you know, either a movie retread or a jukebox musical. So yeah, even though the Tony Award winner, um, I honestly, before it won, and I can't even think of the name of it now, I'd never heard of for best. I didn't even watch musical. the Tonys, frankly. Yeah. Um, okay. Here you are, are listening you to look it up or do you want me to look it up? I'm, I'm try- yes, you're listening to theater podcasts and they have no idea what show won the, <laughs> the Tony Award for best. Musical. Let's see, Tony Awards 2022. Uh, a Strange Loop. There you go, A Strange Loop. I still never heard, heard of it before the award show. I have no idea what it's about. So, yeah. Um, oh my gosh, the lead actor was in MJ the musical. Wow. You know, I'm going to leave it at that. I, you know, I did see his performance in Uh-oh. on the Tonys. It was uh, stunning. I mean, after I saw him perform and dance and sing, I was like, that's one of the best performers I've seen in my life. So, so since it's MJ song, the musical, what song did he do? Uh, they did Smooth Criminal. Okay. I, um, I actually like that song, so. After they did the number, I was like, how does that dude do all, you know, two and a half hours of that every night? There's just no way right. you could survive that. So, yeah, give that guy a Tony. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. He's earned it. And that's just for me watching one number from yeah. the Tony Awards. So. so are you saying if and when you go back to New York, if it's on, you might try to see it? Uh, maybe. I'd be interested to see it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. I mean, I mean to, it's something you should never, ever see at a your local community theater. <laughs> yes, yeah. a community theater ever puts it on, you should not go. Yes, because there is going. no way they could cast Michael Jackson appropriately. Yes. To, uh, you know. Yeah. Not so if you want to see it, going. either go to Broadway or catch it on tour. It's, it should not be brought to any local theaters ever. Yes. But to tie a bow on Bright Star, at least from my perspective, but I, you know, I think it, as far as the, the, and you and I talked about this ad nauseum, so I won't say it for too long, but, you know, the ultimate compliment from the theater community was the number of theater people who were, I'll use the phrase running to see the show by the last weekend, because we saw several theater people there who, and I'm, Hey, I'm glad they came and saw it. Thank you for spending your money at GCT and coming to see it. The fact that a lot of them were sort of cramming it in. Well, you know, there's the snark in me that says, oh, so now you're going to come see it. And then there's the other side that says, you know what? Good. I'm seriously glad you came to see it. Now, no one will be like, no one will say, hey, did you see Bright Star at GCT? Nah, I wasn't going to go out and see that garbage. 
Yeah. No, you came and saw it, and it was a great show. Yeah. And you got to see me typecast as usual. Right. So. So moving along to our closer, because we're, what, 15 minutes in right now? I um, wait more than that, yeah. Okay. Um, 100 days. Yep. Uh, you want me to go first? Do you want to sure, give any uh, I will say that this, to me, was another at least semi-swing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I say all this, you know, we, Brian and I said, we take one swing. We try to take one swing. I mean, if there's a show that we think is really going to be good, we'll, we'll take a couple of swings. Um, this one to me was, it's, you know, we had had an idea to look at a certain show. It clearly wasn't going to happen. So we found this one instead off of a suggestion and said, okay, sounds good. It's, we knew it was a hybrid kind of show going in. Um, and I, I will say that my expectation was, okay, I don't think we're going to sell out any of these, but I don't think we're going to do, you know, very low either. So I kind of landed on 50%. Yeah, we didn't get close to that with it um i will say this show and again not because of the creative direction or the acting it it was one of the best shows we've possibly ever done at gct um i think a couple of things we didn't know how to market it properly and i i think because it was a hybrid type event it wasn't like a traditional theater musical it was kind of a theater high concert hybrid people didn't know what to make of it and then also because of timing and the show getting pushed back to open on memorial day weekend and then you're in summer um you know i think it all you factor those three things in uh from an attendance standpoint and attendance only because i think it's definitely succeeded artistically Yes, but, uh, it definitely was way under what I was expecting it would do from tickets standpoint. Yeah, um, I mean, it's yeah, I think more. It was definitely one of those that I look at and say more people should have seen this. Yeah, absolutely. It was a beautiful show. It was a beautiful show. Every single performer up there was just and just put in an amazing performance. Eileen did a great job with the direction and yep. music direction. She did both. Uh, the lighting is some of the best lighting we've ever done. Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess at the end of the day, I don't know if people knew what to make of it. And so our typical word of mouth sales probably weren't as strong because people didn't know what they maybe watched. It's like, was that a concert? Was it a, a musical? I don't know. Uh, and then also, again, so many people were out of town. I mean, right. Uh, and I think any shows that are going up right now, I mean, again, you, you subtract out opening night. I think a lot of theaters and towns are struggling these first few weeks of, of June, trying to get people in the doors. Um, well, it's also think, a show that a lot of people have not heard of also. Yeah. It's a newer show. No, no one had heard of this show and it, it had barely yeah. been done anywhere in the country. I know when we picked it, uh, we were the first, had we, 
performed it when we thought we were going to perform it, we would have been the first venue outside of one of the big, either New York or the big venues in Miami or California to do it. We would have been the first community, th- true community theater to produce the show. The first yeah. show without the Bingsons themselves in it, who wrote the show, they had been in every other performance. Um, so when we selected the show, uh, that was where we were at. So now that's, yeah. that's not the case anymore, but still we are one of the first people in the country to do this show thanks a lot covid yeah yeah so <laughs> um thanks a lot yeah. bin laden <laughs> drop the hangover comment <laughs> so overall lessons season as a whole what lessons did did you learn and i'll i have some lessons i've learned that i'll share afterwards uh from a programming standpoint what's what good lessons what bad lessons did we learn what do we need to well, do differently to do better let's see i mean i I say all this with the caveat that I think, I think COVID and the environment around it uh, dictated some of our actions on the fly. Um, so, and that that had a ripple effect in our previous season. Um, that it has an effect this season as well. Yes, we it is more exactly. shows that have been pushed to this coming up season. Yeah, that we have essentially paid for for almost two years now. Yeah. Had been paid for for two years, um, so that with that caveat thrown out there, I will say that you know one of the lessons that I feel like is, I I I still am very much with the idea of whenever whenever we can do a regional premiere or something like that, let's do it. Let's try not to make them all on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing. Another thing is, you know, trying to. And this, I feel like this, I throw out my caveats, I won't say it again, but trying to make sure we find the right balance between, you know, a show with that's music heavy versus a show that's not. Finding the right dichotomy to where you're, you know, sort of in, you know, Major League Baseball pitching lefty, righty, lefty, righty. Um, the idea of we do music, we don't do music, we do music, we don't do music. Finding a good cadence there. Um, so, because I think that we definitely had to find a, we got off balance because of COVID there. Um, yeah. I think that we're, another lesson learned for me is that we're just, and I think this is not a knock on anybody at all. Um, I would like to see us find more ways to explore what we can do with our screen um, and our lights, which I agree. I think that, you know, the lighting of hundred days was amazing. I think we're just, uh, we're scratching the surface of what we can do with the screen. The lights I think are a little more intuitive, but I still think we got ways we can examine that. and I think that it underscored for me the idea of wherever we can, we try to find ways to mix in the right balance, find that right balance of content of, you know, not just new and time tested, I won't use the word old, new versus time tested, but also up versus down, laughs versus not you know, all that kind of stuff. And I feel like I really, I, I will still to the grave think that 
we had the right balance of that planned going into COVID. And COVID agree. threw it off. And we're not the only people dealing with that. So I'm not crying foul. Yeah. It's more of we're all dealing with it. And I think that it's just something that we keep in mind, as well as the idea of we're just living in a new norm. So we have to understand that another wave could happen at any point. And yeah. we just have to be flexible. I mean, technically, we, we are in another wave right yeah, now. Yeah. We are in but a wave right now. Yes. The public has just, we've decided as a whole, myself included, to just say, you know what? It's gone to where we are with the flu. Yeah. We're just going to treat it like if you get it, you get it and you treat it when you get, and I, I still think we're going to be at annual boosters mm-hmm. at some point. This is not to go on a COVID diatribe, but I, I think that's a lesson learned. I think the last one I would throw out there has to do with, I'm really going to try to measure my words here and say this in a general context, making sure that we find the right situation for the right staff. And mm-hmm. I don't mean the permanent theater staff. Mm-hmm. I mean the by show staff. Yeah. I'm going to leave it at that. Lessons right for me. Situation. I mean, if you, if from a community, if, if Panola, who I would consider is our, uh, in our region per se, unlike Corinth, um, <laughs> Had they not done Clue uh, like oh, two weeks before we opened, we would have done seven of eight shows as regional premieres, the only one being Elf Jr. Uh, from a community standpoint. Now, I know some high schools have done uh, Clue in town, but seven of eight, we should never do that again. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're, you're leaving out an important place that had done Clue. Where had we seen Clue already? Come on. But I was going to call it out earlier, but now you just, it's like dangling I don't, red meat. Look, I don't consider Henderson, Tennessee, our region. I mean, it's Jackson, Mississippi. I mean, are we really competing for Jackson's theater dollars? I don't think we are. I mean, did I thoroughly apparently piss off someone in Henderson? Yes, yes you did. Yes, I did. Uh, do I care? Absolutely not. Yeah. No. So, um, yeah, so... I think we we did uh, way too many regional premieres. We have to have more shows that market themselves on title alone, um, aka more crowd pleasers, just for the general sanity of the staff. Uh, we need to be more conscious of where holidays fall. Uh, not that again, I think Hundred Days really got hurt by pushing it to the place it got pushed. And one of the things that I think. Uh, spoiler alert for those 12 of you listening that uh, I, a conversation I want to have with programming and the board is do we need to swap uh, the locations of I love you perfect now change and pride and prejudice because pride and prejudice I think title alone can stand up to the uh, end of year doldrums as I will call them um, where I don't know that I love you perfect now change can even though it is a much more recognizable title than um, 100 days. I don't know that it serves that show well to throw them back in that early summer slot because of everything else that will be going on when that show is going on. So, right. Um, I think, yeah, you know, we got to be more conscious of 
the dates we're putting things on. And again, the dates, particularly the last half of the season, all got pushed back a month. So, um, but we we do have to be careful, I think, of that and give that more attention than we have currently. But hey, that's uh, you live and you learn. And I think we've learned lots this year and we'll continue to learn as we keep going on. So yep. overall, I think the season from artistic standpoint in particular was the best from top to bottom that I've ever seen at GCT. Um, there was no shows that, uh, you know, I, uh, as, as you know, uh, from our typical Monday uh, sip and size, there's no shows I side through uh, on opening on that Monday. Uh, and for the most part, I uh, was very pleased with every effort that was put forth on our stage. And I think our patrons were too. So um, overall, artistically, I'm extremely pleased. I'm sad 100 days didn't sell more than it did, but I do think I understand why. I do think from a marketing standpoint, I think while we have a TikTok, it's as silly as this may sound, while we have a TikTok, we don't use it at all. Uh-oh. Social media alert. I think we, 100 days in particular, could have been well served with some heavy TikTok marketing because of the crowd it really played to is that, you know, you know, college, early 20s, mid 20s crowd that is so engaged with TikTok. And that's just not currently, it's not in my wheelhouse at all. And um, I, I do think it could have been better served to kind of focus some marketing on that platform which is something we've never done before, but lesson learned. And then we have another show like that comes up, then we will try to figure that out before. Yep. I hear you all valid points. Um, and you know, one thing we didn't call out is the, I think an Ostrander candidate for, a, I don't remember the name of the category. So I'm probably going to botch this uh, best appearance or best cameo in a show. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how could we discount the appearance of a certain little girl on the animations of a hundred days. I mean, That's right. she was stunning. As I, I noticed immediately as it came up and said, I know that I know that child. Yeah. And, <laughs> and she's not too. a Bingson. <laughs> yeah. Chip had his uh, on stage. Exactly. On debut as well. I mean, so I think the two of them will be duking it out come August when we're doing Ostrander types of That's discussions. Right. I mean, who who's going to win from the Everson household? Yeah, I mean because I'm it's going to be one of the two. I, uh, Chipper Chipper Aria, yeah. I mean, I'll Chip, Chip is going to be, uh, be very aggressive about campaigning. I know, but yeah, I'm going to start emailing Liz Perkins daily to get <laughs> on the ballot, and, I, and rightfully so, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it it did not go unnoticed. That's for sure. So, at least by one person. The that's audience. right. So uh, anyway, so no, it's a great, uh, good start to season uh, three there to discuss season 50. Got it right this time, didn't I? We just finished season 50, if that's what you're yes, referring to. Yes, see? Bang. Yes. Got it right. Yeah, 51 is the one that starts July 29th. Yeah. So yes, I am on the board of the theater and the programming committee chair, and I had to look it up to make sure I had the right season number. So like I know what the shows logo. are. It's not like our logo this whole year has been 50 years, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Who looks at that? I mean, is that on a poster <laughs> it's only somewhere? On every piece of social media and every 
hard piece of which I'm not on. We send out. <laughs> Do you think it's on the posters? It is on the posters. I know Too it's soon. On the posters. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, so moving on to a bit of levity, uh, is it time to go visit Florida? Yeah. Let's. Would you like to take us to Florida? Let's visit Florida, and we'll yeah. have an abbreviated Florida. I couldn't find a great Florida report. That's all right. It's more of a sad Florida report, but this is from so, uh, June fifteenth, twenty twenty-two. Okay. South Florida man says he purposely hit Trooper's cruiser so he could be taken to jail. He stated he wanted to go to jail because he felt like he was already in jail. So this poor man from Boca Raton, Florida, was so sad that he just wanted to get back in jail that he purposely went through police barricades to run into a parked trooper car on the interstate so that he could be taken to jail and all happened at 1 a.m man must have been hungry sad and just wanted some some company or friends isn't there and, an easier uh, way to get to jail you know it seems like there's a much less dangerous way i mean he could have just gone up to a cop and slapped him instead of like hitting him with a car which could actually hurt both him and the policeman yeah um but uh, yeah, so poor guy, man. Yeah, I hope so he gets a we're, good ta- we're talking about John Manis, right? Evaluation. Yeah. Um, that's right, that's, Manis. I went there. Yeah, that's that's tough. <laughs> and what part yeah. of Florida is in Tampa? Uh, it happened in Broward County. Oh, okay, nice. Well, that's second place. Third place is Panama City Beach. So, yeah. But yes, know that. I mean, that I'll, I'll say that's. It's certainly Florida worthy. That's for sure. I mean, yes. to think I need to get to jail so I can have three squares and a cot, and that's how I'm going to do it. Instead mm-hmm. of, like you said, just walking up and slapping an officer or, you know, taking an alligator into Wendy's or something like that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, something. Throw an, just throw an alligator at a random person. That's, yeah, that I seems mean, like there's a better plenty way. of those around. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, even Frank Washington made a face of that. Yeah. So, and, you know, since Frank did make a face, it's time for his overheard at the theater comments. All right. So, Frank, I missed you, even though I didn't see you earlier this week. Yes, you did. (laughs) I mean, getting the text that you were reviewing Samurai Cop. Yeah. uh, I was very happy to see that. So, it was so good. So, uh, I'm I'm waiting to watch it. Wish I could watch it with you. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so Frank. Frank overheard these comments at the movie theater. Yep. So he really didn't, but these are Twitter. So at Barry Clancy writes, quiet part in the movie, voice from the back shouts, is there a doctor in the house? I need a doctor. Voice from down front, yes, I'm a doctor. Voice from the back says, shit film, isn't it? Cinema cracks up laughing. So I think Frank made a face at that one, that's for sure. Ooh, ooh I like it. Yeah, so... Next one, uh, at uh, KO Sin Motion, whatever. Uh, She says, my mother and I went to see Sideways. Good film. There were two older women in front of us. Right before the lights went down, one leaned over to the other and said, I hope there aren't aren't too many toilets in this one. I still want to know what film she's referring to. (laughs) What? Yeah, I don't get that one at all, but okay. it's, I, I'm where KOS I like non sequitur piece of humor. So that, that yeah. succeeded on that level. <laughs> so here's the next one from 
at ELD Dragon Dive. That took a lot of thought. Uh, I used to work at a movie theater and a lady came in who went nuts at me because I wouldn't let her kids into the movie The Passion of the Christ. Oh my goodness. It was an 18 and over movie. I sat there explaining it as politely as I could, trying not to roll my eyes as she yelled, quote, but it's Jesus, unquote. <sighs> no, let you no child should watch that movie. Yeah, it's one of the I agree. Every movie I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, since you're a churchy guy, I'm going to let you ponder on that one. Yeah. Consider your eternal soul when you think of it. Yeah. That. Okay. I, so, so, you know, that was, I was, when that came out, I was very deeply into church and like, so I went with a church group and, oh, it man. Was rough. It was wow. Rough. Yes. Did, it, did people translate the Aramaic for themselves? Uh, they spoke in tongues to do it, but yes. <laughs> did they bring snakes with them? Yeah, of course. <laughs> But we're into so, yeah. <laughs> this one from at Fay underscore tality, whatever. Uh, during the movie, even qu- exclamation point, went to see 300. And when the battle rhino charges Leonidas and his men, the woman behind me screamed, quote, Oh my God, what the hell is that thing? Unquote. As a grown adult, do you not know what a rhino- rhinoceros is? Okay. She could be and- sheltered. Not eh, familiar with possibly. Uh, zoo animals. Yeah. yeah. She thought she was the passion of the Christ and went yeah. 300. So, and the last one at Zach Rad Huber uh, went to see Love Simon and a trailer for Mamma Mia 2. Here we go again, played. When Cher made her appearance on screen, a teenage girl in front of me turned to her friend and said, Oh my God, I love Madonna. Unquote. And so the young people of our society can't tell the difference between Cher and Madonna. So Frank made a big face at all of those. Yes, he so did. That, that's Frank's overheard at the movie theater. Thanks, Frank. And when someone says, I want bigger, he walks out and says, oh, hey, hey. Hey, hey I don't know. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie, you and Bobby Zedar's corpse need to watch it. So That's right. So now it's time for dad jokes. That's right. I've got some good ones today, I think. Awesome. Bring them. So my wife told me that I need to give the... She said, you need to give uh, kids a talk on drugs. And I said, you know, I can try, but I've never talked to anyone when I'm high. I I, I think Christina would at least be medium on that one. You think so? I, I don't think she'd hate that one. Hmm. So, so also speaking of life, so she's blaming me for ruining her birthday. And I mean, that's just stupid because I didn't even know it was her birthday. Now that one, she would not like. She would not like that at all. No, 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 no. No. (laughs) This, this one might be in her, her wheelhouse. Okay. What do you call a sad cup of coffee? A what cup of coffee? A sad cup of coffee. Okay. I don't know. A depresso. Wow. Yeah, that one, she, I don't know where she'd land on that one. Now, this one, I I have full confidence she would enjoy. (laughs) So I actually accidentally drank some holy holy water with my laxative. Now I'm about to start a religious movement. (laughs) 
She would like that one. She would <laughs> like that. She likes poop jokes. Yes. <laughs> and it has religion in it, too. <laughs> Christina, yeah. if you're listening, but you're not, that yeah, one's for you. <laughs> okay. Well, I've got more, but I'll save them for later. Yeah. Well, you know what? I have some today. No. Yes. Awesome. I actually, I got an email today from a marketer and said, in honor of Father's Day, here's some dad jokes for you. Wow, that's an amazing marketing. That's why. And I was like, things. perfect timing. So I've never heard these three, and I just now read them. So let's see what you think. Why did Dad take an extra pair of socks to go golfing? I don't know why. In case he got a hole in one. Ah, nice. Wah, wah, wah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. wait, wait. Okay, hold one sec, one sec, one sec before you say the next one. Okay. I need to get. I need to get ready. Give me just one sec, okay? Okay. Um, um, uh, Sounds painful. Okay, I'm ready. Go. What What were you doing? Nothing. Just tell your next one. Okay. Where do cows go for entertainment? A movie theater. Yes, we knew that one. So, um, thanks for thanks for booming that one out of the park. So. Yeah. So here's your last one. Like I said, I did not make these up, thankfully. What kind of photos do you find on a turtle's phone? I don't know what. Shelfies. <laughs> That's what we were waiting for. That's right. <laughs> Look how smart your audience is. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes. By the way, that's, oh, uh, that's a, a clippable sound effect that we'll be making lots of appearances in the pod. Oh, right? yes. We, I'll add that in for sure. So, <laughs> in other spots, just put that in the folder where you know it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So uh, uh, now it's time for some closing rants. Yeah. Or hants. I know I have several rants. So I'm going to. Do you have anything? I do. I do, actually. Okay. Bring it. Uh, so the weird obsession that people have with the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial uh, continues on like weeks after it's over and like trying to like put his lawyer and him in a relationship because they looked at each other at the trial and like, oh, they're in love. It's just the ridiculous thing. And then the other things like. Did he have a female lawyer, I'm guessing? Yes, he did. I, I didn't even uh, watch any. I watched a second of it. She well no she's very she's a very attractive smart woman and uh, I mean there a lot of men would be very lucky our women would be very lucky to enter a relationship with her but still it's his lawyer so it can't happen right um, but the other thing is like this weird like thing like commenting like we did it we won like you're on the the legal team you're not on the legal team. This case didn't affect you personally at all. I don't know why you just are acting like it's like, do there's something due to you because of this case, or like there's some sort of connection you have with Johnny Depp now, which is not the case. I mean, yeah, that's really strange. It's very, it's very bizarre to kind of watch play out. But um, Johnny Depp doesn't know you and doesn't care who you are, and wouldn't give you the time of day if you were to see him. So. Yeah, because it's like, we don't care think, who you are. Yeah, and the fact that you think you, quote unquote, you've won the, the case, um, hey, that's uh, that's a little weird. Maybe uh, 
find something that's actually relevant to you personally to put that much attention into. Yeah, I agree. I I don't know why anyone would ever think we won. Uh, I mean, it's okay. It's not their case. I mean, I get it from a sports perspective. Like if the Grizzlies were like, hey, we won last night. Even though knowing like we, we're not on the team or nor in we're the not in the front office, office we're not employees of the Grizzlies. <laughs> Technically, we didn't win anything, but we say it. But it's I've never seen it with like a random legal case. So right, yeah, no, I completely agree, and I that that's a very valid rant as always. So uh, the rant I have, um, I'll call it a little more serious. Um, I have a couple of more i i think they're laughy rants but i'm going to give a more serious one so and this is something that i've heard for the last i'm going to say the last handful of years last five years applied to me at different times and i don't know if you've had this brian because brian and i are roughly the same age we're within a couple two three years of each other yep so we're in the same window of life we're in the same generation people when i look it up online we're gen xers Yep. Even though Gen I always all the way. I always heard people say Gen Y, uh, but no. We're, we're right on the cusp. We're in like the last five years of uh, Gen X, but yes. Yeah, I mean, which means I'm in the same generation as my older sister, but not my younger, which I would almost say it's the reverse. My younger sister is almost like a, she's almost like a lost Gen Xer, and mm-hmm. she would never claim to be part of Gen Y or Millennial um, because she likes a lot of the same things I like. Anyway, it's a side note. I am, okay, I am sick of the term midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. I'm sick of hearing it. Anyone, especially someone who's not my age, not around our age, someone who's either in their 50s, 60s, boomer, or someone who's in their 20s, 30s, millennial, you don't know what the F a midlife crisis is. So even if you think you do, let's assume you do, stop telling me I'm in a midlife crisis. Just shut the F up. You don't know what's going on with me. You don't know what I've been like all my life. I do, you don't. Do I always understand myself? Hell no. That's why I've had therapy. That's why I've had relationships break up, meaning friends and whatnot. That's Mm -hmm. why I've had different issues in my life that I've had. We'll leave it at that. But if I'm having a midlife crisis, then I must have hit middle age between age 12 and 15 because I've been that person ever since then. Mm -hmm. I've been a pessimist. That's not a midlife crisis symptom. I've been someone who tends to look at things a certain way. That's not a midlife crisis. Do I, am I finding less, less tolerance for bullshit in my life? Sure. I've been that way since I was a teenager. I'm just now giving more voice to it than I ever did. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that that's a midlife crisis. I told a therapist once, I view it as if it's midlife, fine. I'll throw that term on the front of it. It's a midlife awakening. I'm just tired of sitting back and letting people tell me what is a midlife crisis and what isn't yeah i even had someone tell me who's close to me that because the car i purchased three years ago now is red that it's a midlife crisis it's a volkswagen jetta (laughs) i 
bought it because it's economical, because it's a stick shift, and I like driving a, a standard transmission car. Yeah. No other reason other than those two. I can fill up even in this current crisis we're having with gas, which we'll all agree is bullshit. Yeah. I can still fill up for 50 bucks. It's Ooh, obscene nice. that it takes me $50 to fill up that car. However, that said, I didn't buy it because I wanted a red car or it looks hot or sleek or whatever. I am not in a midlife crisis. I'm in a FU kind of mode. Yeah. But I've been there for 30 years. So sue me. Call it whatever you want. I'm sick of you telling me I'm in a midlife crisis because I wanted to cut my hair short. Or I wanted to grow my hair out. Or I wanted a beard. Or I didn't want a beard. Or I drive a red car. Or I wanted to take a job that pays me more where I could have to spend half the year or two-thirds of the year in Kansas City. F you. I'm not in a midlife crisis. <laughs> I'm in a crisis of life, which I've been in since I was a kid for other reasons that I won't go into, that Brian knows what they are, because guess what? Brian is one of my best friends. I'll tell him why I'm in a crisis mode, but I've been in that crisis mode for at least the last 35 effing years. So you think you know me, but you don't. So shut the hell up. That's my rant. Sorry that was so angry, but we're starting season three. What the hell? I wanted yeah. to get angry for a minute. My rants are usually, I find them kind of funny and sardonic. Think what you they're, want. They're usually traffic related. So yeah. yeah, this one, I wanted to go deep. Yeah. I feel like I went deep. So yeah. if you want to get to know me, fine. But that doesn't mean I want to get to know you. So <laughs> if you think you know me, you don't. You really don't because I don't know me. So how would you know me? Anyway. You know what? I'll go ahead and say it. That includes you, Mom. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of um, mom things happening there. So. Yeah, there's a lot of pent-up. Which I can relate too, to. Clearly. I can relate to that. Yeah, you can. Because we're best friends, so I know what goes on with you and your mom. Yeah. So, we both have issues with our mothers. So, again, I guess, if you think I'm going through a midlife crisis, think what the hell, what the hell you want to think. Keep that shit to yourself. Because yeah. I'm well, not. My my midlife crisis was getting was getting tattoos. So you know, there you go. Yes. So I personally look at Brian's tattoos and think, great. He's just decided I'm ready to get a tattoo. Yeah. If he'd gotten them at age 20, I would have never known the difference because yeah. I would have met him when he had his tattoos already. The fact that he's got them, awesome, cool. You do you, man. Yeah. It's not like I'm, I'm not, not asking them. you to put my tattoos on your body. So yeah. yeah, I'm not getting them. He's getting them. Great. We're still friends. Mm-hmm. So as far as I'm concerned, you can think I'm in a midlife crisis. You can think you're going to psychoanalyze me every day of my life, whether you're a friend or my mother. Guess what? You still don't know shit. If you got like, like a red Corvette or something, that might yeah. be something, but. You know, yeah, I pulled up in a red Testarossa. That's different. It's a lovely car. It's just not, uh, no one would ever accuse it of being like a uh, a overcompensating car, you know? So, yeah, I don't, I haven't met anyone who doesn't know me beforehand 
or who's met me here in Kansas City and said, wow, you look like you're in your middle ages and you drive a red car. You must be in a crisis. <laughs> they don't say shit about it. It's just a car. Yeah. The yeah. fact that it's red. Okay, so be it. I actually went to buy a car that was a black VW Jetta and they sold it before I got there. Well, so if I had my black, choice, what would a black Jetta have said about you? I, I guess maybe you're depressed, you know, post midlife crisis. Okay, cool. Hey, if they want to say I was depressed because I'd have bought a black car, you still wouldn't hit the bullseye, but you'd be a whole lot closer. You at least have hit like 19. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you, you know, saying I'm in a midlife crisis because I have a red car or because I decided that, you know, at one point a couple of years ago, I was going to grow my hair longer, not long because it's receding on top anyway, but longer than I had ever grown it in at least 25 years to tell me I was in a midlife crisis for that or because I had someone tell me I'm in a midlife crisis because I was doing musical theater. Oh. kiss my ass i'm doing it because i feel like doing it good times the same as someone who's told me literally in the last three months i must have stopped doing theater because i'm in a midlife crisis <laughs> there's no Are winning you kidding me <laughs> i'm doing it i'm not doing it i'm in a crisis i'm Love not it. in a crisis which is it I'm going to order Uber Eats tonight and drink some whiskey. Is that a midlife crisis? Yeah. I don't know, but I Sounds don't think like it is. <laughs> right. My well, hey, everybody. Welcome to like, season three. About midlife crisis. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's more of a, more of a completely long diatribe. So that's long, even for me, which I don't get called long very much. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry to dump that all on everyone. All you know, two of you that are left listening. Thank you, yeah. Calamity Annie, for still listening. Love you, girl. So, see you in September. Um, yeah, but yeah, there it is. Midlife there crisis. What do you think? Do you feel like you're in a midlife crisis? Do I think I'm in? No. I mean, if I was, I don't really know what it would. I mean, yeah, what kind of, signals would you like... be giving off? uh you know that's a good question i really don't know um, i mean other than tattoos i mean the tattoos are new for you yeah i i you know i just don't really know what a midlife crisis really would look like for me you know who i want to ask about this is robin oh yeah robin if you're listening or steven if you're listening either one of you could answer that for us yeah as close friends not just of the podcast but as of us Let's have drinks off the podcast and talk about what is a midlife crisis. Because yeah. I know Robin's got thoughts on this. Oh, well, she absolutely would. We could do you know two hours with Robin on midlife crises. Crises. <laughs> we could yeah. do two hours with Robin on insurance. On anything. I mean, <laughs> we could do anything. And that would do you two hours with Robin. Frank Washington even fell asleep on that one. So, yeah, we're approaching two hours though now. So, yeah. Uh, so let's stop. Uh, happy th third anniversary of the podcast. Well, third right. season happy uh, three seasons and happy that we're moving into season 51 of gct here soon come out and see wakey wakey from cork theater july mm -hmm. 7th through the 17th yep uh make sure to harass my son who will be working the uh, box office most of the first weekend um and then come see our opener 
our student production of us yes or the other name that i can't remember it's about seven years or something um but it's going to be a great show and we're going to have a great season 51 and yes you know love you sorry not sorry uh talk to you soon thanks brian thanks to the audience and uh talk to you later bye see ya Thank you.